Welcome to that Hobbit shit. I'm Mike, and I'm Corey. Hey, Corey, what are we talking about today? Mike, we're on to chapter seven. This chapter is "What's Trouble in Bjorn?" <laughs> this name of the chapter hinged entirely on you laughing at it. Um, and if you're not a Canadian listener of the show, there's probably no chance you'll know what we're talking about. Um, but anyhow. <laughs> When we last left our heroes, they had kind of just in, been... inside baseball on that one, but I think uh, <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, Bjorn, the human bear from Central Park. Yeah. Is it because no one's afraid? <laughs> I think, aren't they all supposed to be afraid? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe that is it. Yeah. Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's what's trolling Bjorn. The dwarves are no longer afraid. <laughs> Uh, when we last left our hero was at the end of chapter 6 they had just been rescued by the great eagles of the Misty Mountains we begin this chapter with them waking up in the eagles Aries to have some cold mutton for breakfast like a bunch of common trolls and the eagles fly the party way 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 over northeast well past the Misty Mountains and their goblin troubles the eagles then drop them at the Carrick and what the Carrick is uh, maybe we'll talk about later maybe we won't but that's where they drop them. Gandalf explains to the party after the eagles fly away that he must soon leave and there's quite a bit of weeping and crying as Gandalf leaves. Uh, Mike, maybe I should mention, uh, we're into some pretty pretty meaty chapters these days. Um, so feel free to jump in on this very long summary. <laughs> if you want. You know what's not meaty in this chapter? The food that's served in Bayorn's house. I I don't have like a, a a drum kit or like a slide whistle for it. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I wanted to say that uh, Bayorn is vegan, but uh, he eats quite a bit of honey. Uh, He's vegan. <laughs> Man, I'm two for two. <laughs> On fire today. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode seven. <laughs> Um, so Gandalf has to leave the party and they cry, they cry and cry, they weep uh, Bilbo is quite prone to weeping but the dwarves weep as well but before he leaves the party he has the plan for them first you see once again Gandalf decides to impose upon a friendly stranger's hospitality however in this instance he does not trick this person into joining the party that's an important point he gives Bilbo and the dwarves all kinds of dire warnings about crossing this person or making him angry. And so naturally they're a little dubious about the whole thing. They're going to go to the house of a man named Bjorn. And Bjorn is a skin changer. He turns into a gigantic bear at night. And when he's a man, he's big and strong and burly and beautiful and terrible as the dawn and whatnot. And he has animal servants and huge honeybees on his uh, cool guy farm. So It is a cool guy farm. Um... <laughs> It's it's a it's a pretty neat place. He's got like a pretty fantastic homestead out there near the forest. <laughs> I'm pretty jealous of it actually, especially during this pandemic when we're all quarantined. Sounds he's pretty sweet. He's a bit of a, a seasoned social distancer. Yeah, except for he uh he gets kind of disgustingly close to animals, but more on that later. <laughs> <laughs> Was that has the government told us not to do that? Um <laughs> uh, I'm convinced that a animal could transfer. I'm, I'm, I haven't been petting dogs and it's upsetting. <laughs> okay. I had a, I was attacked by the most cute puppy I've ever seen. And I, I was afraid to touch it <laughs> by attacked. I mean, it came up and like jumped my leg and wanted all the pets. I will admit to petting the odd cat on the street, though I pet them for less than I would normally pet a cat on the street. COVID cats. Oh, yeah. They're the carriers, Corey. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, didn't the, I think a tiger at the Toronto Zoo got it or something? No, it wasn't the Toronto Zoo. I think it was a different zoo. Uh, but it anyway. did get it. Yes, it's <laughs> way off track here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Bjorn may have a small COVID community on his, uh, on his cool guy farm. So that uh, when they get to, sorry. I was going to suggest that honey might be a cure and maybe he's fine, but that, that's dangerous. Uh, honey's supposed to be good for your throat. Yeah. True. COVID respiratory. 
honey for the sort of, I, I could already feel a lot of editing on this episode Mike. <laughs> i think it's going well <laughs> so uh he uh, gandalf is leading the dwarves to bjorn's farm and Gandalf's trick craft, or his grifter spell, in getting Bjorn to trust and welcome all 15 of them is actually pretty masterful. Uh, because Bjorn and his animals are immediately distrustful of everyone, and I think dwarves in particular. Uh, so the plan is to go straight up to Bjorn's door, two at a time. And I think we should take special note of the order that they go up to his door in. It says a lot about the rank and standing of the dwarves at this point in the story. <laughs> so the first two to go... <laughs> Sorry, I continue. <laughs> what were you laughing at? Because you know damn well who's the second dwarf to go up, and who's the last. I know. Well, I, yeah, it's great. It's like it's it's very clear, and, and you know it brings up what. Why did we both go into this? Like, how many times have each of us read this book and neither of us ever remembered once that Dory was one of the main characters? Dory, the hero of the story, the unsung hero. <laughs> <laughs> so first is Bilbo and Gandalf, obviously, uh, because Gandalf is. Yeah, let's not get into that. So first is Bilbo and Gandalf. Second is Thor and Oakenshield, King Under the Mountain, and our friend Dory. Ah, uh-huh. uh huh. And then after Thor and Dory, Nori and Ori come, and I feel like it's got to be only their familiarity with Dory that raised them so high. <laughs> <laughs> Because the next pair is Balin and Dwalin, and we know that Balin is the elder statesman, and Balin and Dwalin are... Well, yeah, they're, they're no Dories, but anyhow. <laughs> uh, next comes Feely and Keely, uh, and when they showed up, Bjorn told them very quickly to sit down and be quiet. Um, again, <laughs> an insight into the dwarves standing. Followed by Oin and Gloin, we got Bifur and Bofur, and then Gandalf told Bomber to come all by himself because he's fat enough to count for two. So, he was quite rude about that, too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Bomber is last. <laughs> Can I point out that at no point did Oin and Gloin try to start a fire? They've just kept, they've just kept their heads down, and they ranked in at uh, 10 and 11, I believe, on the yeah, scale. They've lost, they've lost standing huge in the dwarf hierarchy. And <laughs> I don't think they ever tried to start a fire again. <laughs> well, they lost their tinderboxes. Yeah, so... <laughs> They're right, fuck. That was the only thing they were useful for. Carrying the tinderboxes? Well, Vili and Gilly were only useful for carrying the harp, and we don't know if the eagles would have carried that. So, again, as they all arrive, Gandalf gives Bjorn a very good and very theatrical chapter six summary, uh, and I highly recommend it if you're trying to keep up with the story. So you see, as Gandalf explained everything to Bjorn, he was very vague on how many people were in their party. As the dwarves show up two by two at intervals, as old Gandhi had told them, he throws a clever word into his story to Bjorn about how many there are. And uh, I, I don't know if I should give an example. Like, um, uh, he's, it, he's explained that uh, there's him and Bilbo and two dwarves, and then he mentions that there are six of them, and Bjorn says, uh, that's the first time I've heard four called half a dozen, and uh, <laughs> things to that effect. It's very funny, it's hilarious, actually. Yeah, it's one of the funnier parts of the book. Yeah, I'd forgotten how hilarious it was and was very pleased in getting to this chapter. <laughs> and Bjorn is quite pleased with this weird little skit that they put on for him. And so like all good fairy tale characters, Bjorn rewards Gandalf with a meal for telling an entertaining story. So he takes them inside his wonderful wooden cabin and they're served dinner by dogs and ponies and sheep. And Gross. After- <laughs> Yeah, a little bit gross, actually. Yeah, that's that's probably a, a bit of a virus concern. That's what I was referring to when I said he gets too close to these animals. I don't want a dog laying out. I, I love dogs. I don't want a dog laying out my utensils that I'm eating with. Not even a dog that can walk on its hind legs? Especially not a dog that can walk on its hind legs. Are you saying that's more suspicious? Yeah. If a dog walked in on its hind legs carrying your dinner, you wouldn't be the least bit suspicious? <laughs> It's a very good question as to what I would do in that real world scenario. I would flee. Yeah, I'd, I'd leave my house for sure. And it would chase you on two legs. <laughs> like the part in The Simpsons where uh, says a little helper and Snowball 2 say, We love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is very off-putting, isn't it? <laughs> so they have a wonderful dinner. <laughs> 
needless to say. And naturally, after the dinner, they start to tell some stories. And Bjorn explains a lot of stories about the forest of Mirkwood and how it's just very close to the east of his lands. And the dwarves get very, very nervous as he explains this because they know that they need to travel through the forest on their way to the Lonely Mountain. So they're paying quite a bit of attention to the horror stories of Mirkwood. Eventually, Bjorn seems to grow tired and he stops listening to the dwarves and their stories. See, the dwarves were drawing on quite a bit about smithing and nimble-fingered stuff. And eventually Bilbo drifts off too. And he awakes suddenly just as Bjorn is leaving. And Bjorn leaves just a split second before the dwarves start singing. They sing their song and they sing it about Smog's attack on the mountain. And it's a very informative and historically accurate song, much like their earlier song in Bag End about their quest. And it puts Bilbo to sleep. Uh, so Bjorn had warned them uh, not to leave his house at night. Uh, he gave them, or maybe it was Gandalf that warned them not to leave his house at night. I think it was Bjorn. I think he... Oh, I don't remember, actually. No, maybe they both do. Someone tells them not to leave. <laughs> and it's a very but good anyway, idea. Anyway, it's, it's very clear they shouldn't leave the house. Yes, it becomes clear throughout the night uh, that there's some strange things going on outside the house. I'm surprised this group of idiots didn't leave the house because they don't seem to listen to anyone's warnings, especially when, <laughs> when they're reinforced. Yeah, especially when it's a dire warning, like yeah. <laughs> a life or death thing. Yeah, they seem to particularly hate that kind of warning. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I suppose they're all humbled because Oin and Gloin don't have their tinder boxes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Bilbo sleeps in past the dwarves, uh, which is true to his form, uh, as, as we've noted earlier. And they nearly eat all the breakfast without him, which, as we know, is extremely offensive to hobbits. The party, the dwarves and Bilbo, stayed all that day, and they were waited on by the walking dogs and ponies, hen foot, all day long. And Gandalf, who was gone since dawn when they woke up, finally returns to them around sunset when dinner was late for him. And there's no sign of Bjorn all day. No sign of Gandalf, no sign of Bjorn. So the party asks Gandalf where he had been. And he refuses to answer them until he's finished blowing his uh, showboating smoke rings for what must have been hours upon hours. What a <laughs> fuck. <laughs> it's a classic Gandalf moment. Yeah. <laughs> He Multicolored just, smoke rings, like 30, more than that. <laughs> I, I, I think it was a really long time that he was doing it. It seemed like it. And just watching them chase themselves and probably laughing to himself as all of the dwarves just play with their hats. <laughs> uh, and, it, and so once he's done with the smoke rings, he finally explains to them that he was out following Bjorn all day. And without ever catching up to him, he was following Bjorn's footprints and sort of vaguely figured out where Bjorn might have gone. Gandalf then goodnights Bilbo pretty suddenly for asking too many questions about Bjorn. Uh, and I think that's funny. Uh, <laughs> the next morning, they're Good awakened. <laughs> Good night, Mr. Beckins. Uh, the next morning, they are. I, I'm very. Uh, my reading of this story is very tainted, but in a good way. Tainted is maybe the wrong word. Tinted uh, by the way the audiobook is read. Uh, oh. <laughs> um, I'm surprised. It was just Gandalf's chance to say good morning mr baggins <laughs> you just been waiting for him to say that uh, he just he could have done it he could have shown bilbo what's what you know <laughs> given him a taste of his medicine <laughs> uh, a little bit more on gandalf being a prick in a, in a minute or two because uh gandalf is, is in fine form uh, i think it's probably because he's about to leave <laughs> but he, I think he's sick of these dwarves shit and he's no longer putting on airs for them. He's had to go quite a bit out of his way for these dwarves when really not much should have gone wrong um, at this point. <laughs> uh, I have more to say on that later. I do, I do too. This will be great. <laughs> uh, so the next morning after uh, being goodnighted, uh, they are awakened by Bjorn himself. And it turns out that Bjorn had traveled very, very far to the west where the party was caught in the trees at the wolf moot. He was actually out corroborating Gandalf's story for like 36 <laughs> hours. This guy knows wizards. Yes, yes, he does. He knows not to trust them. Um, but it, speaking of which, he trusts them much more uh, after he interrogates a goblin and a warg that he finds along the way. And he finds out that the party killed the great goblin. He finds out that the wargs and the gar goblins are still out in full force searching for the party, which obviously makes sense because they killed the king. And by the way, he puts this goblin's head and the warg's skin on display in his front yard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it, it, an interesting choice for um, uh, someone who <laughs> takes very good care of his animals. Uh, he's clearly uh, vegetarian, it seems. I bet his animals would appreciate that. Uh, appreciate the... Sorry, did you say they don't appreciate? I bet they do. I. Uh, that's my guess. Think of what an orc would do to a poor pony. A walking dog. Oh yeah, we know that orcs eat ponies. That's a good point. Yeah, that's come up. Before. They're probably pumped up. I'm just. Uh, I kind of wish he had a gloin head out there. Maybe an oin. An ori. <laughs> you wish he had killed one of the dwarves. <laughs> And dis- displayed its disembodied head for all to see. Just catapult the heads into Mirkwood. Um. <laughs> it, could, it could have happened. They came damn close. Like, I'm, sh- I'm shocked that you said that. <laughs> I'm getting sick of their shit, some of these dwarves. Mike, this is chapter seven. We've got so much further to go with them. I know. <laughs> so after all this uh, the, the killing of the goblin on the work and finding out uh, that the story was true Gandalf finally tells Bjorn the full story and the true story of where they're going and what they're doing to get the gold from, uh, from Smug and Bjorn sets them up with about four weeks worth of food and supplies plus ponies which they have to send back before they enter Mirkwood and he gives them very very particular instructions on how to get through Mirkwood and this Mirkwood place, I gotta say, seems awfully ominous. I don't want to put any spoilers in here, but I bet that place is fucked. Three separate times, they're they're warned not to stray from the path. Mm, yes, and as we discussed a minute or two ago, <laughs> it seems like some heavy foreshadowing. Yeah, and as soon as you say something twice, you know the dwarves aren't going to listen. Three times, it's guaranteed. <laughs> how, how do you talk to a dwarf? <laughs> Just... <laughs> Well, you talk down to him. That's three for three, Mike. <laughs> I know. I'm pretty pumped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, at, th- at this point, I think the boys do finally realize, uh, as Bjorn is explaining the dangers of Mirkwood, uh, that they've nearly died about once a chapter. So that's six times now that they've nearly been killed. Uh, and even if, without Gandalf, they actually manage to make it through the lo- to the Lonely Mountain alive, they have to face a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> the reality of the journey at this point is finally laid bare for them <laughs> they travel then so they leave Bjorn's Bjorn uh, gives them these dire warnings they realize that they're kind of fucked and they travel for days and days and Gandalf finally leaves the party the chapter ends with them entering Mirkwood and this is described in the narration as the most dangerous part of their journey yet and they got no wizard with them uh, great summary Corey thank you it's, it's a long chapter a wonderful chapter yeah, it, it is a very good chapter. Bjorn's place is, is so cool. <laughs> I'd really like to hang out there. Yeah, it's pretty rad. Um, so chapter notes. I've got a couple. Uh, I have a couple as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the beginning, when they're leaving the eagles, the dwarves make a lot of promises. And I noticed that whenever the dwarves are interacting with somebody, except for elves, they make a lot of monetary promises. Except for elves. Yeah. Uh, they, they're always telling these other species what kind of jewels they will give them and how they you know, will pay them for their services. They really value money beyond all else. That's true. They definitely do. Uh, the, well, this, is, this is actually very similar to one of the notes that I had uh, because there are some very, very heavy spoilers in this chapter. <laughs> because it says that they make like collars of gold for the eagles. <laughs> yeah, they do. It, it basically says that they, they achieve their journey. Yep. Yes, it does. Um, <laughs> well, we've, we've come this far. Might as well tell you how the book ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't say which dwarves make it through to the end. And, uh, and it also mentions that Bilbo never sees the eagles again, except from very, very far away. So that seems to be telling of something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, what happens to Bilbo? What's his fate? What is this battle of five armies that they're talking about there was a mention of five armies five of them fuck <laughs> how many huh um and uh how you mentioned the promises of gold to everybody uh did you notice when gandalf 
says to them that they like they offer Gandalf gold when he's about to leave the party. He's like, I think I'll borrow right here and some of your gold. <laughs> yeah, he did say that. <laughs> um, speaking of old Gandalf, do you remember when the dwarves were returning or they wanted to keep their ponies and ride the ponies that um, Bjorn had loaned them? They wanted to keep them and ride into Mirkwood and they were kind of saying, well, what's, what could hurt What's the worst that could happen? And Gandalf went on for like a page telling them how they absolutely can't give up these, or they can't keep these ponies, how they're very dear to Bjorn, that he treats them like children, and there will be hell to pay if they keep them. And also that Bjorn is possibly waiting just out of sight to see if they would do something like that. Yeah. Um, And then in the next breath, he says, well, I'll take this horse and ride off. Gandalf has a bit of a habit of stealing horses. <laughs> he does. He's probably known for it. Gandalf Stormcrow. Um, <laughs> and I think Thorin says, I hope I'm not ruining your, your, your dwarf quote here, but uh, I think Thorin says, well, what about you and keeping that horse? And Gandalf just says, well, don't worry about me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's very prickish. It's very Gandalf. But I suppose yep. it's kind of like, well, you mind your promises, I'll mind my own goddamn promises. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> but <laughs> he does not ride it into Mirkwood, though. Let's uh, be fair here. Yeah, that's true. That was like the major stipulation is do not ride them into Mirkwood. And at least he didn't do that, as far as we know. Yeah, I'm surprised the dwarfs didn't try to eat one of the ponies. <laughs> Uh, they've, they've got quite a bit of supplies actually which leads into one of my notes is I would very very much like to know what Bjorn's recipe for those twice baked honey cakes is there uh, he keeps it to himself <laughs> okay well I'd still like to <laughs> still really like to know I mean if, if you happen to know if you're Bjorn and you're listening or you're like a skin changer uh, and you happen to have the recipe that hobbit shit at gmail.com I, I would love that um <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever, huh? See, I've seen the Lambus bread come up quite a bit. People have come up with recipes for that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it'll keep a man walking for a full day on one piece, but <laughs> what can? Um... Well, the honey cakes are described as being delicious, but making you quite thirsty. Yeah, they're probably full of honey. Well, yeah, it sounds, no, sounds obviously. Great. What a stupid thing to say, Mike. <laughs> uh, okay, I've got another another little note here for you. Okay, Mike. Gandalf, fuck that he is. <laughs> he takes credit for the, the well managed adventure thus far. He does. Yeah, he <laughs> says. Um, <laughs> I, I want to find this exact quote because it's so ridiculous. Um, yeah, that, that's that's a bit much. <laughs> it's when when he's leaving, and um, they try to bri- uh, bribe him with gold. He calls their adventure thus far well managed. Yeah, he said a- by well management and some luck, we've made it this far. <laughs> I, I'd say it's not well managed at all. <laughs> nothing, nothing about their adventure so far is. Uh, it brings good planning to mind, you know? In examining this text, we found quite a few bold-faced lies. <laughs> Gandalf's a liar. He's a proven liar. Yeah, yeah, he is a, definitely a liar. grifter. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah, you could say he definitely lied to Bjorn and, and also, like, showed up with 14 of his friends that expected dinner and, and like, bed for the night. <laughs> Offered nothing. Think no. of what a wizard could have offered a guy who's on his own, you know, living with a bunch of animals. <laughs> hey, do you need some stuff mended? Some tools? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's probably quite a bit he could have done for him. Uh, Bjorn has a fire going all the time. Gandalf's pretty good at fire stuff. Maybe he could have helped him with that. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure maybe something as, as minimum as like aches and pains. <laughs> Can show you how to make a salve out of that honey. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bjorn does mention though that he knows Radagast. He, 
he said he was uh, pretty a pretty good guy as far as wizards go. Yeah, but his experience up to that point was only with Radagast. So <laughs> yeah, I assume it's not movie Radagast because who would say that guy's a good guy? Yeah, I have a I have a different point that specifically calls back to the movie <laughs> in protest <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> this is the first mention of Radagast, I believe, right? Yep, yep. Because I know we talked about him a hell of a lot, but it was because of the damn movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's mentioned again until Fellowship of the Ring. And I think it's yeah. just in passing. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, so this this is our introduction to Radagast. This is the entirety of Radagast in The Hobbit. <laughs> he's a friend of animals. Yeah, I think, um, sorry, it's on page uh, 65. Bjorn says, rabbit pulled sled. Um I'm just kidding. Um, I don't think he says that. He definitely doesn't say that. No one says that. I also don't know what page we're on because I... <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't have a book. That was a guess. Are, are we in the 60s? What page are we on? Um, I'll tell you exactly. We are on 127 of my text. <laughs> That's pretty fucking wrong. Uh, yeah, you're about halfway there. Yeah, yeah, I'll get there. Well, I heard Gandalf does a very good summary of chapter six, so maybe I can just... Um, any, any other notes, Mike? Um, what do I have here? The Carrick. Did you figure out why it's called the Carrick other than the fact that Bayorn called it that and that's what he calls those things? Uh, no, uh, I didn't. Um, but now that here we are talking about it, that does seem like kind of a silly thing. Should we just look it up, Mike, and see if that's a word? Uh, I'm typing it. Stony. Iot? Iot? Ayot? In the upper reaches of a river. Oh, wait. This is from Tolkien Gateway. <laughs> How is it spelled? I think, again, my audiobook is... C-A-R-R-O-C-K. O-C-K, there we go. Karok. Oh, that's, that seems very uh, very Tolkien. Yeah, Karok. It's very Tolkien. It, so, Bjorn had made up a word for something. Yeah, uh, no, there, I don't, don't think there is uh, a real explanation as to why yeah but he calls anything that is like a an outcropping of stone a carrick um gandalf also mentions that that's the only one that's anywhere near his house um, <laughs> i guess it's kind of like saying he knows wizards by having met radicast once or twice yeah, the, yeah they, they're okay guys the magic mushroom addict <laughs> Fuck. the carrick is very interesting because they talk about it as almost like the last little hurrah of the mountains. It's like uh, a very unnaturally large rock. Um, another note I have. Gandalf really goes in at poor Bomber about being fat. <laughs> it's just, you will come last because you are fattest. Like, seems a bit much. <laughs> it's all the things that I hated about grade school, really. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not a swim test. No, no, it's not. Uh, just because Bomber is larger than the others doesn't mean he has any less of a place in the party. <laughs> yeah, it it just seemed it seemed out of place in a children's book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and my uh, my last note. Sorry, you go ahead. Well, it, it kind of reminded me of when uh, when Bjorn comes back, uh, like two mornings after they have stayed there um, and he, he picks up Bilbo and just starts poking him in the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> like Bjorn's, Bjorn's a big guy and Bilbo is a little guy. So he had him what, like seven feet off the ground and he's just poking him um, and it said it was very rude. Bilbo could walk underneath um, Bjorn's skirt or his, um, what do you call it? Oh, his, his tunic? His tunic. He could walk right underneath it without hitting the top. Yep. So let's see it hangs. Let's say it hangs to his knees. Yeah, approximately. So that would make Bilbo. Bilbo's like Bilbo's like two and a half feet tall, probably. Yeah. So, yeah. Bjorn's a good eleven or twelve feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he picks it up. Yeah, there's there's a lot of um. Bullying. Yeah, bullying is the word I'm looking for. It's a bully. I like this chapter so much. It's upsetting that there's so much bullying in it. (laughs) Well, Bjorn's, I guess Bjorn's being somewhat lighthearted about it. Gandalf is probably a little bit more... uh, Crickish? Scathing, yeah. (laughs) I'd be a little bit more offended by Gandalf. (laughs) Um, 
my last note speaking of gandalf he really gets into it this stuff this uh this chapter <laughs> um he eats two loaves of bread honey and clotted milk before <laughs> before he will say anything about his uh his whole day where he disappeared remember the beginning uh i think chapter two before they meet the trolls where it says gandalf talked the most laughed the most and ate the most yeah <laughs> He's he's on fucking vacation. Two loaves of bread. <laughs> Clotted milk is odd. odd. Yeah. yeah, that's that's uh, it's not that common of a food these days. <laughs> uh, no, I've I, uh, <laughs> um, I once made a milk chicken. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> um, it is a chicken that is cooked in milk with lemon. Oh, okay. And the lemon causes the the milk to curdle yes and then the, the curdles from the milk are delicious after they're baked in the oven with the chicken oh okay i see what you're saying um so maybe that's something like along those lines but it's just curdled milk he's eating isn't it uh well yeah i think it's a, does it say clotted cream is that what it is i wonder maybe. if it's like um what's that stuff they give you at chorus <laughs> english cream english cream is what i'm thinking oh of. like some creme fraiche yeah homemade clotted cream oh it kind of just looks like Butter. Clotted cream is a thick cream made by indirectly heating foam cream, blah, 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 blah. I think it's just lumpy butter. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine then. That's pretty above board. Never mind. Okay, yeah. Um, but he does eat two loaves of bread. Yeah, he's, he's, he's still stuffing his face. Like, yeah. And while <laughs> calling Bomber the fattest. Ah, I see where you're going with this now. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, Bomber was probably just sitting there eating honey for his throat and then... <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, that's, it for my, that's it for my notes. Okay, cool. Uh, I have, um, let's see, I got one or two more here. Uh, I took note that Bilbo pinches the eagle because I uh, was very pumped about the, the goblins and their devotion to pinching people. Um, Is that where he learned the pinching? <laughs> he was hanging out with goblins too much? Yeah, I think he's just nervous on the eagle's back and the eagle says, don't pinch me. Um <laughs> But then the eagle says that Bilbo looks like a rabbit. And this is the second time that something has referred to Bilbo as a rabbit. Because uh, I think the trolls called him a nasty little rabbit. And I'm not sure if that's maybe due to the size of his feet that hobbits uh, resemble rabbits. Any furry thoughts? feet. Oh, yeah. Furry uh, feet. I think it's just because of how small they are. Just a little thing running through the underbrush, probably scampering around. Rabbits are very quiet too when they move yeah. around. <laughs> okay. I saw I saw a rabbit not an hour ago. Oh, this very day even. <laughs> yeah, it it was definitely a rabbit, not a hobbit. It was scampering through an underbrush. <laughs> How do you know? Maybe maybe uh, maybe we've got this all wrong. Maybe hobbits are actually just rabbits. <laughs> they could be. Yeah, uh, you know what? What if they are? <laughs> I don't, I don't know actually. One of my other uh, chapter notes is that the stone giants are mentioned once again. Gandalf is telling uh, Bjorn about them. He says the stone giants were out throwing stuff around. So I think we can finally confirm, we can say without a shadow of a doubt that they were real and that they are corporeal stone giants. What if it's just a turn of phrase that's understood by everybody in Middle-earth? I think that we could confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think, Mike? Do you think that it's just a phrase? I don't, I don't, I'm just being a contrarian. Well, yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, although, yeah, uh, I hate you for it because I can see that. I'd be like, oh, man, <laughs> it's raining like cats and dogs out there. The stone giants were throwing parts of the mountain. Don't dip your beard in it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> One more chapter that I have, uh, and I mentioned this mostly in contrast to the, the freaking movie. H Hello, listeners. Have you watched our movie special? We didn't like it very much. So the necromancer is mentioned, and he seems to be very, very well established as an evil sorcerer uh, within the lands and domains in the south of Mirkwood, or like uh, south of Mirkwood. I'm not sure which. So he exists. Yeah. He's there. Everyone, even Sauron, knows he exists. Yeah, even Bilbo, they say. Even oh, sheltered yeah. Bilbo from the Shire. <laughs> so the whole White Council scene from the movie where Gandalf desperately tries to convince everyone something funky's going on. <laughs> yeah, if if they don't <laughs> if they don't know at that point, uh, and they didn't need that mushroom addled motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> to go poking his nose around where it doesn't belong. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, those are my chapter notes. 
Good notes. A great chapter. I, I love this chapter. Yeah, it's very, very good. I have one more chapter note. There's a point where Bilbo asks Gandalf if Bjorn is a furrier. Oh, yeah. Um, and something about conies. <laughs> yeah, he does say conies. <laughs> and Gandalf gets all upset and says, like, fool of a took. <laughs> Never mentioned that. Uh, what's a furrier? <laughs> I I assumed it was kind of like um uh like a, just a fur trader I guess like um, oh like, oh yeah a person who prepares ordeals in fur wow okay yeah like uh someone who sells you a beaver pelt or something so I could see how that would be very offensive yeah but yeah now that we're into this discussion he fu- he skins the shit out of that war <laughs> he does. I mean, I, I, okay, I, I see the the, uh, the statement he's trying to make, but <laughs> also making a different statement about another statement. <laughs> I think if uh, Bilbo called him a furrier, he might have skinned Bilbo. <laughs> I was drinking water there. <laughs> <laughs> a couple furry little feet mounted beside um, Ori's head. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> He put Bilbo's feet on a fucking keychain. <laughs> <laughs> For good luck. <laughs> we reached some depths in this uh, this episode. <laughs> yep. You might say we overanalyzed it. Um, <laughs> we are we are fairly confident this is a children's book, so we're <laughs> going chapter by chapter, an hour at a time. Great chapter, those one. Thank you. But the only food for the brave and true comes from the Green Dragon. Time for the Green Dragon Inn. Okay. Where we discuss the beers we're drinking today during today's episode. Corey, what do you have? Well, Mike, I have an appropriate beer for today. I am drinking Farmstead Ale from the Farmstead Brewing Company from Goodlot. Actually, wait a second. Is this Goodlot Farmstead Ale or is this Goodlot Farmstead Brewing Company Farmstead Ale? Hold on, Mike. I'm having technical difficulties here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Goodlot. It's from Goodlot. <laughs> it's an ale, sure? you say? Yes, yeah, an ale. A Farmstead Ale. Uh, I looked up Farmstead Ale to see because I thought I probably sound like I don't know much about beer and I really don't. Other than the fact that I like to drink it, um, and I thought oh, I'll look up what a farmstead ale is. I'll sound all prepared, and uh, I don't think it's anything. I think it's just the name that this uh, this particular brewery uses. But let's give it a try. Oh fuck yeah! It's good. Good beer. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's nice. It's a. Uh, it's quite mellow. Um, it's a little uh, heavier, if you will. Um, like it's a. Uh, it's it's a thick beer for oh. an ale. Maybe a bit on the sweeter side. It's very good. Uh, it has a very good looking can, which I like quite a bit. Um, and I also chose it because uh, Bjorn lives on a good lot and he has a farmstead. <laughs> so... Very topical. <laughs> what do you got this week, Mike? <laughs> well, Corey, I'm drinking Summer Haze from Hoyne Brewing. It is a honey wheat beer. Oh, yeah. Fucking perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's delicious. It's a great summer beer it's a little bit sweet it's definitely cloudy as a lot of wheat beers are oh yeah uh, nice and it's just just easy drinking you can just you can imagine the the summer haze over bjorn's good lot at farmstead it, it would be um what's the word i'm looking for not greedy something with lousy it would be lousy with bees <laughs> Oh man, just imagine like a hot summer night, the sun's going down, it's kind of that orange glow and just like the drone of thousands of giant honeybees. Murder and, bees? Yeah, oh yeah, just murdering those flowers. Um, <laughs> don't read into that. Uh, just just having a, a tall beer. A honey great. beer. Yeah, honey beer. Uh, mead. Are they drinking mead? Do they mention mead? Yeah, uh, Gandalf drinks a big glass of mead before he will say anything. He Sorry, that was included with his... Two loaves of bread, honey, and clotted cream. Oh, uh, yes, the clotted cream. It's a full thing of mead. <laughs> he uh, spends a good hour just 
taking his time with his dinner. So he eats his dinner, and then after dinner, sits there with his gut out, blowing smoke rings. Yeah. <laughs> Before he'll say a word to the dwarves. And the dwarves still want him around after that. They, they weep. They weep when he leaves. Well, uh, thanks for jo- joining us at the Green Dragon Inn. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see you next time. That was, that was a very concise Green Dragon Inn that we did there, Mike. The dwarf breathed so loud we could have shot him in the dark. Okay. So, uh, dwarf quotes, where we discuss a quote from a particular dwarf in the chapter. Corey, what do you got this week? Okay, Mike, I got a dwarf quote for you. See if you can uh, name that dwarf. The quote is, get up, lazy bones, or there will be no breakfast left for you. <laughs> <laughs> um... Am I a bit of a Gandalf if I guessed that this is Bomber who says it? I, I can see why you would guess that. Uh, and yes, maybe you are mean-spirited like Gandalf. Uh, it is not Bomber. It's, it's okay, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's in the Bomber family. <laughs> or so we speculate. I don't remember the other one's name. Bomber? Uh, Bofer. Bofer. Is it Bofer? Bofer says it. This this may be, and I'm gonna have to go through my notes to check. Might be the first fucking time Bomber Bofer has said anything. Aside from just looking like a pirate, <laughs> we really need to leave them. We need okay. In a couple of chapters, we'll forget all about that movie. <laughs> we'll be we'll be the happier for it. Um, I did notice though, as an interesting side note for our dwarf quotes segment, that a lot of the time the dialogue is not assigned to a particular dwarf. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And or sometimes it's just to the dwarves in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So either Tolkien himself or Bilbo, uh, who is a member of the party, is quite indifferent to <laughs> which dwarf is speaking. Um, or like us, he confuses them. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell my bifers from my bofers. <laughs> who can? <laughs> Do you have a dwarf quote, Mike? Uh, Yeah, Corey, which dwarf growled this? (laughs) Goodbye. If you won't come with us, you had better get off without any more talk. Was was that the return of our our gruff friend, Thorin Oakenshield? Yeah, it was Thorin. Thorin Thankless Oakenshield? (laughs) Uh, It's maybe not that fair because that was my second choice for dwarf quotes. So <laughs> I knew all about that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, damn. It, it's kind of funny. We had, uh, we, we had wonderful grand plans, and they are grand, and they're wonderful about the segments that we were going to have at this show. <laughs> they didn't have the most foresight in them. Like, dwarf quotes. It's like, we try to guess which dwarf said it. It's like, well, we both just read the chapter. <laughs> So not, only, not only that, but the, there are only a couple of named dwarves or like dwarves that have a personality or speaking roles at all. I, I think the best takeaway actually is that we've learned to love Dory. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? Don't be so harsh on us. Um, the real winner here is Dory. <laughs> Can't we all just share in Dory's happiness? Welcome back. What's in its pockets is. Yeah, we haven't talked about these characters and their dirty pockets in quite a while. <laughs> nasty uh, little pockets. Their nasty little pockets. Uh, let me start this one out, Corey. I got a good one for you. Okay. What does Bomber have in his pockets when they leave Bjorn's house? <laughs> I think he jammed a sheep in there, Mike. A whole sheep? Okay, no, maybe he didn't. That's uh, impractical. But... <laughs> <laughs> do you i can keep guessing but do you have something in mind he has a handful of honey in his pocket <laughs> uh is this kind of like what i said he just had ham in his pocket at another point just slowly making a grease spot in his pants yeah it wouldn't hold his pocket wouldn't hold well maybe he's got some like oiled um or waxed pockets so they hold a bit of liquid but yeah that honey would go right through Maybe he maybe he stole bees honey. You know those you and Mariah introduced Tiffany and I to those um those beeswax wraps. Oh yes. Yeah, maybe he maybe he beeswaxed his pocket 
filled it with honey, tipped a hive into his pocket. Uh, maybe he's even got a bee in there just by accident. <laughs> or he kept his bee in his bonnet. Um, so the answer is he has a handful of honey in his pocket. Oh, okay, cool. Just a big, he grabbed a big scoop on his way out. <laughs> it's just a big, uh, I'm sure he's got like meaty hands. They say dwarves have like nimble fingers, but it doesn't specify that they don't have really meaty hands. <laughs> oh, they would. They're, uh, they are expert craftsmen, but they also wield a mighty axe. Yeah, they're hard workers. Yeah, they're, they're t- they toil in mines. They, they cleave goblins. <laughs> I think they have hands like a bunch of bananas. <laughs> so hobbits are rabbits. Uh, dwarves have bananas for fingers. <laughs> Ugh, what a, Middle Earth is a terrible, terrible place. Mike, what do you think Bayorn had in his pockets? Um, Gandalf had Bayorn's underwear in his pockets. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, You're avoiding the question, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bayorn had bits and pieces of orc and warg in his pockets. Oh, that is very, that's, that's correct, Mike. I was going to say that Bayorn had goblin teeth in his pocket. Uh, oh. Everybody seems to have goblin teeth in their pockets. The land is riddled with them. Yeah, and people just are constantly slaughtering them and taking their teeth. Do you remember, was there ever a point when you were in grade school where like shark tooth, ne- shark tooth necklaces were a thing? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, you remember that? Is, is it in Middle Earth, is it goblin teeth? Uh, I think Bayorn would probably use those goblin teeth to make some sort of a, a saw. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good. He's idea. a craftsman, you know. He's got a beautiful wooden house. He does. And he'd have to saw things with something. I know he's got an axe, but, you know, you got to get a little finer with things like a, a giant door that he has. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's goddamn lintels and shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, wow, I nailed that one. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he did. I think Gandalf, when he was gone for his full day, he did get that pair of underwear. Yeah, I would imagine he did. Um, yeah, <laughs> he probably okay. He's a wizard. Here's what I think happened: he's blowing those smoke rings for hours, and we've heard before how magical and incredible, really, his smoke rings are. So he mesmerizes Bilbo and the dwarves with the smoke rings. They've all got their eyes glued to the ceiling watching this like weird like psychedelic circle play thing going on and he gets up because they're all like magically fascinated he goes to Bjorn's drawer maybe he shoves a dog out of the way <laughs> takes the underwear perhaps even requests it because the the walking dogs are like waiting on them hand and foot bring me your master's underpants the dirtiest pair <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. Gandalf the Grey, ladies and gentlemen. So this has been What's in Its Pockets. <laughs> now we know what was in its nasty little pockets. <laughs> what a good segment. No wonder this is a fan favorite. Fan, fans write to us constantly saying that this is their favorite segment. Uh, I've gotten a couple phone calls about this segment alone. Dragon? Not just been a dragon in these parts for a thousand years. And this is Famous Dragons the part of the show where we talk about a famous dragon from literature, from pop culture, from... I don't know where you got your dragon from, Mike. What do you got for us this week? I've got a question for you, Corey. Oh, perfect. (laughs) How familiar are you with Godzilla? Godzilla, the king of monsters? The gorilla whale himself. (laughs) What? Obviously not very familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My dragon is not Godzilla. Okay, okay. Uh, it is King Ghidorah. Are you, are you familiar with King Ghidorah? Yes, I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> okay. You are? Yes, you are? Yes, I am. I, I, know, I know of him. Uh, did you know he's a three-headed dragon kaiju? <laughs> Specifically, no, I did not know that. Okay. Did you know that he's from outer space? Uh, definitely not. Well, let me just jump in then. <laughs> Having established that. Um, so in the 1964 movie, Ghidorah, the Three-Headed Monster, um, Godzilla came face-to-face with Ghidorah. Oh, the Three-Headed Monster. Yeah. Uh, he has many different origins because 
we're talking a 66 year history. Yes. Uh, but I'm going to go with the first movie because even though it's not the number or it's not like the agreed upon origin, it's the first origin. And I did not want to wade hip deep into that mess. <laughs> I've often wondered uh, how many uh, reboots, reiterations of Godzilla there have been, but <laughs> that's uh, for there, another day. There have been a bunch. Gods- I love Godzilla, by the way. I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan in the world, but I find the whole thing entertaining and fascinating. It's pretty cool, yeah. Uh, Ghidorah was in the newest movie, by the way. I don't know if you saw it. I'm going uh, to assume, assume you saw it. Uh, well, Mike, <laughs> I did not, but I saw him in the previews. Okay, yeah, he's badass. Um, so... <laughs> Ghidorah is a three-headed dragon that shoots lightning. Oh, nice. <laughs> he, has, he has red eyes, and they flash yellow or gold when he's going to shoot lightning. He has two wings, two legs, and he can fly, and he is just devastating. He's Godzilla's arch nemesis. Ooh, hey, that's, that's saying something. He appears in multiple movies, but we're going to talk about his origin. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> He arrived on Earth in a meteor, an atomic meteor that crashed into a mountain. Thoroughly enjoying this, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a convoluted history. Um, it, it's a 1964 movie, so you got to, you know, go make allowances. Uh, yeah. yeah. So he crashed into the Earth. A princess who was visiting Japan was taken control of by a ghost from Venus who decided to warn the Earth that Ghidorah had come to Earth. Ghidorah had previously destroyed the entire population of Venus. (laughs) Um, So this ghost or spirit was all that was left. Okay. Um, No one would listen to her, obviously. (laughs) Why would they... Why? Five movies in, why would people listen to someone who was claiming there was a monster from space trying to destroy the world? <laughs> it's, like it's the boy who cried wolf all over again. Yeah. So the only person, or the only people that would listen were the followers of Mothra. Do you know Mothra? Are you familiar with? Yes. The lady? Um, uh, I didn't <laughs> know Mothra was a lady, but cool, cool. So Mothra at this point, um, is just in a, a not a cocoon, a uh, a larva phone. Yes, she does. She doesn't have her wings. She's just a, a little like caterpillar or a yeah, I guess a caterpillar. Wait, Mothra is? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Mothra is convinced that Mothra believes the the spirit, <laughs> the spirit that's controlling the princess, and Mothra sets out to let Godzilla and Rodan know that there's a monster on Earth that's going to kill everybody. Sorry, which one is Rodan? Rodan looks like a pterodactyl, but he can also walk on two legs. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Uh, he kind of has a, be- has a beak. You might know him because of that. Yes. Um, so Mothra goes, Godzilla is, meantime, Godzilla is fighting Rodan, and they, they're actually fighting in a hilarious way. <laughs> <laughs> it, this, this movie's a bit slapstick they're like hitting each other in the ass and stuff and like laughing at each other. So Mothra, <laughs> show, Mothra shows up and um, they're not listening to her. They're just fighting and goofing around. So she sprays her, her silk onto them, sprays it all over Godzilla and Godzilla suffering and just blah, blah, blah. And then sprays it all over Rodan. And then Godzilla starts laughing at Rodan, <laughs> um, but they both ignore her. And so she takes off and she goes to fight King Ghidorah. Right. Um, King Ghidorah just kicks the shit out of her because she, again, is a larva. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Not full Uh, Mothra yet. Nope. Not full Mothra. And even if she was, there's nothing she could do. He's he's the ultimate monster. He's a (laughs) three-headed dragon that shoots lightning. Um, So, but Godzilla and Rodan happen to see this fight and see see Rodan just mop the floor with Mothra and they decide to join in. So the three earth monsters team up and just kick the shit out of Rodan. Okay. Oh, wait. Uh, oh, sorry. The, sorry. The three earth monsters team up and kick the shit out of King Ghidorah. Okay. 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 They, they really 
bully him. <laughs> it seems to be the theme of this episode. Rodan <laughs> holds him. Um, Mothra is spraying silk in his eyes, and and uh, Godzilla is just going nuts, giving him punches in the stomach. He's giving but, him gut shots. <laughs> yeah, punching, biting his necks. <laughs> Do they fucking jersey him? What the hell? <laughs> and that's the end of uh, King Re- King Ghidorah. He's never to be seen from again. <laughs> Hang on, I, me, little piece of shit with a podcast. I'm no one to laugh at a three-headed dragon. However, <laughs> that's, it's very anticlimactic. King <laughs> Ghidorah. Um, King Ghidorah comes back several times. There's a reason he's Godzilla's arch nemesis. He's kind of like the go-to monster. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they, uh, the team that made the movies, I guess they kind of had him in their back pocket whenever they needed a monster for one of their movies. Not nice. And uh, they would, he, every once in a while, he'd be in a new movie and he'd be controlled by a, a different species of alien. Is it kind of like uh, whenever we're searching for a joke on that Hobbit ship, we just go to Gandalf and underwear? Yeah, it's exactly like that. They just would go to King Ghidorah, but he was. <laughs> he's also. He, He's so large, so immense that just the flapping of his wings will destroy a city. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I, I, I've been downplaying the devastation he caused to the earth. <laughs> You've been sparing my feelings. <laughs> yeah, he he came in and it was big big time problem. He destroyed all of Venus. The entire population of Venus was destroyed by King Ghidorah. Venus is almost exactly the same size as Earth, by the way. It was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so King Ghidorah that's a great dragon it's a uh, probably top 10 dragon <laughs> a, a space dragon and actually he doesn't breathe fire but he does fly yeah he shoots lightning actually yeah so this uh, kind of comes back to our, our ongoing conversation of what constitutes a real dragon <laughs> uh, a dragon that is official enough to appear on Famous dragons. King Ghidorah didn't <laughs> breathe fire. No, he doesn't breathe fire, and he's also not really a serpent. Uh, what? It, why? Just because he's from space, and uh, well, he's got two legs, and he walks upright. Oh yeah, huh? He kind of like Charizard. Kind of like Charizard, except for way less nimble. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> if we'll. If... <laughs> We think back to uh, Buck, three three uh, crows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our boy. He he was super quick. He took out a knight, no problem. Like, just like, like that. Can you hear that snap? Yep. Oh, yeah, that's the sound um, of a knight getting taken out. Yeah, King Ghidorah could not have done that. He <laughs> really kind of bumbling around. Really, the the documentary I watched on him, he was stumbling. Not none of these monsters were very well coordinated (laughs) uh mike would you say that the population of venus uh could have done better in their fight against king Ghidorah? they probably could have yeah if they if they saw him coming (laughs) (laughs) if they had if they had been warned Um, yeah okay warned by a space ghost did he originally come from venus is that covered do do we know that no he just came from space okay (laughs) but he's destroyed venus right so he started at venus in our solar system yeah, yeah. yeah okay. The uh, inhabitable, uninhabitable Venus was destroyed by him. Uninhabitable now. Yeah, now, now that King Ghidorah has destroyed it. Um, I seem to remember. Uh, I've always wanted to get into like the original uh, Godzilla movies. Like I, that's that's been something I've always wanted to watch or like wa- wanted to like. I should say. Um, Me too. I I, I watched. I watched them sporadically as a child. They'd be on yeah. TV every once in a while, and I always loved them. I, w- uh, I would generally be quite confused by them. Like, uh, yeah, I remember I saw one at some point. There were like, there were like singing twin Mothra babies. I think that were psychic. Yep. Uh, oh God, I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> it was too much for me. Uh, they're they're a mess, but they're. <laughs> A lot of the movies focus on the failings of um, bureaucracy. That's really like the theme behind a lot of the early movies. That's interesting. Yeah. Like <laughs> the government is just 
completely inept because they're so busy trying to deal with like the behind the scenes stuff. <laughs> hmm. So they're really they're a critique of the Japanese government. Interesting. So what what is what is Godzilla a metaphor of? Um, Godzilla himself, I think, is a way. I've read this. I'm not coming up with this. Okay. A, way, a, a way of coping with the devastation caused by the atomic bomb. Oh wow! Huh. Interesting. That's that's quite quite profound. Yeah, it's pretty. It's when you think of it like that. It's it's really cool that like it's like they're up until a certain point it was their biggest cinematic achievement and it was like a coping mechanism yeah that's interesting because that, that's like yeah that's incredibly political like yeah what the leaders do mm-hmm. wow yeah. Uh, yeah we're in yeah I, like i said last week on the famous dragons gonna be careful not to get too into history rather than fantasy <laughs> but, uh, but yeah that's 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 quite something actually yeah that's something uh i certainly would not be able to fully comprehend being a canadian born after uh you know 1980 <laughs> yeah and I, we don't really have an analog to that kind of thing it's no yeah i i can't imagine but king Ghidorah, a pretty cool dragon yeah um, god you might say godzilla's a dragon but apparently not he definitely I, I has mean, dragon-like characteristics. Mike, I don't want to put words in your mouth or assume too much of what you of what you think. But, uh, I feel like I'm not as uh, as adamant on what makes a dragon as you are. <laughs> <laughs> if you had said Godzilla was the dragon for this week, I wouldn't argue with you. <laughs> um, yeah, he would have made a good one, but I think that calling uh calling out the actual dragon from the show is for the movie series yeah that's uh that's that's very very appropriate uh research that you did there (laughs) (laughs) it was tough it was it was really tough to distill king Ghidorah into one segment (laughs) it's such a (laughs) such a fucking mess he's got three heads we only had one segment yeah he's got three heads and at least three origin stories (laughs) in the new movies he was trapped in the earth yeah, is that the one with um uh with eleven in it? Yeah. Did you so you saw that? Because you assumed that I saw it, so I assume that you saw it. Yeah, I saw it. Was it good? Um, it was pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't like it was what you would expect, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. It, it seemed it like was, it was uh, trying. Sorry. It it was it was fine. It, there, I was disappointed <laughs> in it, but what are you going to do? The all of those movies have not been great, Mike. It it was fine. Wait, what did you say? <laughs> it was fine. I was disappointed in it. Yeah. Um, the, we could have saved ourselves an hour and a half if we had just said that in the, in the Hobbit movie review. <laughs> it was fine. We were disappointed with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Famous Dragons, King Ghidorah. Mike, thank you so much. That was a wonderful, wonderful three-headed dragon. Thanks. Thanks, Corey. Oh, uh, was it a wonderful dragon or a wonderful three-headed dragon? Because Cause that's different? Yeah, well, I mean, really narrowing it down. Oh, grammar's a bitch, man. No, uh, I'm impressed. That was like... a very, very great... That's the best yellow three-headed space dragon we've had on the show. I think we can say that without a doubt. <laughs> I don't think any <laughs> argument can be made against that. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you want the roll call, Mike? Bye for both for Bomber. Um, are, are we at the end of episode seven? Have we done it? I think we've made it. We've, we're at the end. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, well, everybody, thank you very much for listening to that Hobbit shit. If you, as always, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at thathobbitshit at gmail.com. We welcome fan mail. We welcome hate mail. Uh, we welcome really neutral mail. Like if you just want to tell us about your day, that's fine. Go for it. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. Uh, where we post lots of original Hobbit shit content. There's photos and illustrations and animations all made by the two of us. Uh, that's at that Hobbit shit. And if you do want us to answer one of your questions or comments on the show, we'll make a new segment for it. Uh, if you subscribe to the $1 tier on our Patreon page, that's patreon.com slash that Hobbit shit. And one day we're probably going to have $150,000 here on the Patreon, uh, just in case we can get a medium... <laughs> to contact J.R.R. Tolkien for us. Uh, Christopher Tolkien. 
I thought we decided since they had both passed on that we might as well just go straight to JR. I, I'd be a little bit intimidated. Let's go through Christopher. One thing at a time. We'll we'll, we'll save we'll, JR for the Lord of the Rings series. Yeah, we'll get Christopher to ask his dad. If we may contact him. Yeah. Could you ask Christopher to ask his father <laughs> what he meant by furrier? Do you do you think there's a legitimate psychic out there that uh we'd <laughs> We'd just be like imposing on so much and that they believe in their craft and we're just two fucks <laughs> being like, hey, hey, ask him if he thinks it's cool. <laughs> and, <laughs> and recorded it. I don't think there's a psychic out there that wouldn't take our money for that. <laughs> You're right. I was overthinking it. Um, I, I think they'd be like, sure. It wouldn't be the craziest thing they've done. <laughs> They get they get some wild ghosts coming in from Venus. You want me to talk to one of them for you? <laughs> this one's busy with Mothra. <laughs> well, this is that Ovid shit. I'm Corey. I'm Mike. And until your Aries receive you at the journey's end. Pardon? Uh, what? Until your Aries receive you at the journey's end? Isn't that the proper uh, thing to say to eagles? Oh, you're right. Okay. I was going to say, may the hair on your toes never fall out. Oh, yeah, right. That makes That's a lot of sense. That's the proper thing to say to that Hobbit shit, listeners. <laughs> Should we try it again? I'm sorry, Mike. Yeah. I'm, I'm Corey. I'm Mike. And, and may, the may the hair, hair on your toes, toes never fall never out. Never fall out. <laughs> I've stopped the recording. <laughs> Could they just pull the Band-Aid off like that? Uh, I might keep that whole ending in.